This is your favorite podcaster, Romina, and you just tuned in to RM Podcast FL. Hey, 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 my beautiful listeners, and welcome back to RM Podcast FL. First and foremost, I want to thank you guys for tuning in to our awesome episode and our awesome podcast. And don't forget to always connect with me through LinkedIn, you guys. The information is right on the show notes. Don't forget to check out all our episodes on www.rmpodcastfl.com where you would be able to see and listen all the episodes that we have launched so far and read all the articles that we have published. There is a lot more articles to come, you guys, so definitely stay up to date and subscribe to our website. Don't forget that. Well, today's episode is actually with a fellow Jacksonvillian, if that's what you call people that also live in Jacksonville, <laughs> Jacksonville, Florida. It's awesome. I'm just going to put it out there. The best city ever. But without losing any time, let's dive into actually the interview. And I want to tell you a little bit, you guys, about Jacob Dublin. He is the special guest for today's episode. He is an operations manager for Amazon, directly in charge of departments ranging from 200 to 400 associates. So let's just say it, it's not a small number. It definitely is not. But we focus a lot on how he transitioned from the military life to the civilian life. What was he able to bring from the military experience and the knowledge that he got from there and how he was actually able to transition those and translate those to the business world. I know sometimes it's hard for military people to actually express what they do while they're in the military or express exactly how they can help the business world. So Jacob does a phenomenal job to actually helping us through that, number one. And number two, we talk about his education program while he was attending military and while he was working full-time. It's definitely not easy to attend school and to try to improve yourself while you have something else going on at the same time. So I hope Jacob's experience and I hope his knowledge that he shares on this podcast actually becomes a good example for somebody else out there. Like I say a lot, learn at least one new thing per episode. So if you can learn something new this episode, definitely go ahead and strive for the passion that you have. Definitely find your big why because... Like Jacob says here, if you find your big why, there's nothing that would be able to stop you, honestly. So without losing any time, I want you guys to go ahead and listen to this episode and click on the show notes because I will attach Jacob's information. So feel free to connect with him via LinkedIn. If you are military, if you know somebody that is in military or if you know somebody that definitely is looking towards that transition stage, Jacob is actually very passionate towards helping others through that moment as he volunteers fellow veterans transitioning from the military life to the successful career in the corporate sector. So definitely connect with him and without losing any time, enjoy the episode. Thank you so much, guys, for tuning in and investing your time to RM Podcast FL. Just like I mentioned on the bio, today's guest speaker is Jake Devlin. Hi, Jake. How are you today? Great. Thanks for having me on. Excited to be here. Absolutely. Thank you so much for being a part of RM Podcast FL. And like I've said before, you guys, we try to get professionals of different careers. And I connected with Jake a little bit while back. And I think it would be a great fit to actually talk about how we can grow professionally and personally, since that's kind of the theme of the podcast too. But without losing any time, I'll pass in the mic to Jake. Jake, tell us about Young you to today. I don't know anybody that knows you better than you know yourself. So tell us how awesome you are. So I'm originally from New Jersey. 
I've traveled all over. The military kind of brought me everywhere. Spent two years in Australia, a little bit of a time in California before Florida. But basically, you know, I was in high school. I really honestly didn't think about going to college. I didn't even think about going into the military per se. My brothers had gone into the army and they kind of all told me, hey, don't go into the army, go into the Air Force because the Air Force is, uh, let's just say it's kind of uh, a, little, a little more high end with certain things. Uh, when they deployed, they kind of were intense and the Air Force guys were always like staying in nice hotels and stuff. So reached out to a couple of people that I knew and then I got brought out to the Air Force Academy. But after the Air Force, about 12 years in, I always wanted to jump into business. So I reached out to a couple of people that I knew as well and uh, found the Amazon job, which was great. I know. And you recently got the Amazon position. Congratulations on that, too. You're working for a huge company like Amazon itself. Yeah, it's a specific program for military. It's awesome. It's called Military Pathways. So they like you to have an MBA, which I was working on as well. But it's specifically for military guys like me and kind of to your podcast point. You know, coming out of the military, there's a, there's a big struggle because, yes, you have a lot of experience in one career field, but you don't know how it's going to translate. Everyone tells you that, oh, you have the discipline and everyone's going to want to support veterans. But I will tell you, it's still really tough, even if you have your ducks in a row. And this program was really, really awesome because it starts you off uh, compensating you basically way more than any other company that I've seen. I have friends that work for Microsoft or Google, and my, you know, what I was compensated with was kind of more than theirs. And also it was great because they totally fed into kind of like, hey, you have great experience in, in the military that directly translates to what we want on Amazon, which is great that I found the program. So. so you kind of took your skills from military and fused it to the business world. Right. I always kind of told myself, like, I wanted to jump into the business world. And, and you do have to kind of sell yourself. I mean, there, it is a morbid, just to be direct, it is a morbid business that we are in, in, in the military, right? You know, we break things and, you know, we, we do other, you know, things. Well, you that, have to break it to learn how to resemble it, right? right. Make it better. Right. So it, how do you translate all this combat experience you know, into what a huge corporation would want out of a manager or an executive. That's the tough piece that the military really is, is working hard to try to set people up, but it needs to do more work on. So I reached out to a lot of my friends who had made the transition into big companies like Microsoft, Google, and I asked them, you know, how do you, how do you speak about, there's, there's a lot of acronyms and a lot of jargon in the military that doesn't translate to the civilian world. You know, it's like, okay, you were in charge of, you know, 1,200 people and a billion dollars. Great, sounds good on paper. What did you actually do, you know? So to talk and to speak and to, you know, gain the business verbiage that you need, it takes a lot. And I really, I spent about probably, well, I started my journey about three years ago, but I spent really the last four months knuckling down on how to explain to the civilian world what I did in the so military and why it would be successful. So what did you do? Like, what was the exact thing that you did in Air Force for other listeners that also want to kind of get a full grasp of it? Sure. So at first, 
I was actually very vague about what I did because a lot of what I did was in special operations, was in intelligence areas. But then I realized there was a lot of things that I could directly talk about, but kind of, for lack of a better term, dumb it down. So in my first deployment, I was in small airplanes and I was above Navy SEAL teams. And basically I was helping keeping watch over watch over them, keeping them safe and helping them find the bad guys through use of technology. When you say that to someone, they can kind of better understand like, okay, he was in a small plane, but I was over 75 operators that were doing that all around Iraq, looking for bad guys and keeping the good guys safe. That's so you were the front light on you as on, on Navy? I was Air Force and I was helping Navy. So what we call in the, in the uh, military, a joint fight. So I was helping Army Rangers. I was helping Navy SEALs, guys on the ground, the elite groups on the ground basically stay safe with drones, with the small planes we had. If I was physically on the plane, if my guys were physically on the plane, we were just always trying to help keep them safe and kind of give them a bigger picture of what's, what was going on. So that was my first deployment, but how, how do I translate into that? And I initially wanted to jump into the tech world, right? So instead of focusing on like, oh, I killed all these bad people, like that sounds kind of morbid. I took that and I was like, you know what? I quickly learned about different technologies, how cell phones work, how Wi-Fi works. I quickly learned how, how that worked and I applied it. And then I also managed people that did that. You know, you don't always have to go back to your combat experience because that's all you're taught in the military. Talk about your combat experience and how hard it was and what you overcame. But really, I mean, the tech companies that I was going after at first, they just wanted to know, hey, We're going to introduce you to a lot of new different technologies. The technology world is constantly changing. Can this guy, can this gal learn very quickly a new product and sell it to someone else, right? So I had to kind of change, you know, how I talked about it. I was like, hey, every new assignment, you know, my next assignment after that was in Australia. I learned all about satellites. I had no idea about satellites, right? We were monitoring, you know, North Korea, Iran, China, you know, all these treaties we have with them, like, hey, don't launch all these ballistic missiles. And we know that, you know, Rocket Man, you know, what Trump calls them, he launches whatever he wants. And we were monitoring that all the time with satellites. I had no idea we could do that, you know. And once I learned about that, I learned very quickly. And then I became, you know, one of the teachers in that job within two years. And, you know, I kind of promoted myself that way. Like, hey, I jumped from technology to technology. I learned it very quickly. And then I became a leader in that world. So that's something that I took to the interview. You know, I read the doc, job description and then kind of put my experience into that job description to kind of better fulfill it, if that makes sense. No, that totally makes sense. And it's funny that you're saying, for example, like watching the satellites and everything. Um, a friend of mine actually works for DOD and I got the chance actually to kind of see one time like the, how the U.S. Navy ships have the, the buttons in order for you to press the the lucky button you know so it's yeah. just kind of interesting like the whole technology like i've seen it in person and it's just amazing it's a whole technology on its own and it's it takes a lot to actually so you also need to get your analytical skills and your logical like to the point so you can coordinate one plus one equals two but okay how do i get to two ten twenty and a hundred now So your analytical skills, I'm assuming also, and your logical skills actually went up from joining the military and correct me if I'm wrong here. No, absolutely. And, that, and that's part of it. I think sometimes people separate managers from actual operators or frontline workers 
Whereas I feel like as a manager, you really have to, this is my mantra. You really have to prove yourself operationally and dive deep into analytical skills. And it, like, you don't have to be the best one, right? But you have to truly understand how things work. I would sit side by side with my, you know, people would call them worker bees, but these guys were catching signals that were like top three in NSA, you know, that we were looking for, that China was trying to hide from us. And, you know, I would sit next to them and be like, how do you, how do you do that? How do you read that, you know, signal and know that it's this and dive deep into, you know, just one thing. Every day I would try to do, you know, five to 10 sit downs with my people and just kind of build on my analytical expertise. But that was every job, you know, I never, I never really was like, oh, I'm just gonna sit in my office and let all these guys do all the hard work. I always wanted to be out on the front line telling them like, hey, number one, I have the credibility to talk to you about what you're doing. And then number two, I care. And now I can better support them, right? There were so many times during my deployments where I would come into conversations and people would start, you know, saying, hey, no, we need to do this or we need to push up. Everyone wants more people, everyone wants more hours. Everyone and as a manager, you have to be able to fight for the people. For example, I got really smart with cell phones and I knew what we could and could not do. And I would just drop, you know, one little nugget and it would immediately stop my boss, you know, from saying anything. And I was just like, you know, well, you do know the signals kind of bounce off each other and they kind of stop each other. And I would drop a little terminology jargon that maybe he didn't, wasn't too familiar with. But like, oh, okay, Jake knows his stuff. And it wasn't, you know, all BS. It was, hey, I, I dove deep. I know what was going on. And now I can support my people. So that was the most important part. Nice. And then mentally. So whenever we go, we enter in a very high stressful moment or a deployment in your case scenario, which like, for example, my highest stressful moment cannot compare to somebody going on combat or going on deployment and then having to lead people. What is your mental process towards you keeping your A game up and making sure that your emotions are not affecting other people around you and you keep yourself in check? Because that's, that's not easy. Yeah, and I think that's a big shock to young managers, young officers that don't have a lot of experiences. Hey, you're dealing with all the stressors of everybody else, and then you're also taking the weight of their stressors on your back. There was, you know, very few nights that I didn't think about the people underneath me and what the stressors they were experiencing. And I think any good officer would tell you the same thing. There's many sleepless nights that you're thinking about your people and hoping the best for them. And so you kind of take your stressors on as well. But I think it is very important because everyone worries, right? And we know it's pointless. We all know it's pointless and we still worry and we still stress. It's very important to kind of dive deep into yourself and know, hey, this is what calms me down. This is what, when I feel the best or when I'm the most stressed, you know, afterwards, you kind of look back at certain situations like, why did I even worry about that? We all have that. Sometimes yeah. I'm like, what was I thinking? Right. Like, why was I even stressed about that? But in the moment, it's very difficult to calm yourself down, right? So you just kind of have to, I think it's very good to look back and be like, okay, what did I learn from that situation that I was very stressed out about? What calmed me down? If I didn't calm down, if I lost it, let me learn from it, right? The biggest mistakes, that's what we learn from. Okay, so I looked bad this way. It wasn't good to show my anxiety this way. In the end, it wasn't really worth it. 
And then you look back at that and you're like, okay, because the next time you're going to remember, you're going to be like, okay, this is not forever. This bad thing that's happening is not forever. Tomorrow's a new day. It may take a month. It may take a year, but it, it will end and life will be better, you know? So you, I think it's good to look back on those situations like, wow, I was so stressed out and look at and, you know, it's very easy to forget the pain. You know, these cliches are cliches for a reason. It's like, you know, pain is temporary, pride is forever. You really don't remember how terrible it was. I think we were talking before about education and working. Gosh, in the moment, it is rough to do a higher education or any education while you work and you're spending nights and you feel like you don't have sleep and you're losing out. You have FOMO from all your friends. You're like, is this really worth it? Am I doing this for money? And there's so many thoughts that go through your mind. But then five years later, when someone's like, hey, how'd you get your bachelor's and do this? Or how'd you get your master's and do this? And you're like, oh, it wasn't that hard. <laughs> Just do it. Just knock it out. <laughs> that is so true. I was in, um, this weekend, I was in Mississippi for a business trip and I was in Alabama. And last year I visited my family, well, my American family, I would say, since I'm Albanian. Um, they're like, so how are you handling school still? Like, how are you handling full time? And I'm like, oh, already, like, I did it. I have like four more classes and I'm cool. And they're like, how are you like now stressed out? How are you not this? I'm like, well, coffee is my best friend. And I'm like, but like, I feel like also once you get used to it, you get bored. I don't know me, but like, I don't know you, but like me, if I don't do nothing, I'm like, did I forget something to do? <laughs> like, does it happen to you too? Yeah, and I think that's um, a lot of people look maybe to people like you and me and like, how, how are they doing that? And I think it's, I really wanted to kind of talk about this. It's habit building, right? In a good and a bad way. If you look at The Power of Habit, great book. Please look it up. I love that book. Oh, but you realize that it's just I actually bugged it to my brother just last week. Yeah, it's just a cycle of training yourself, right? Once you train yourself to be like, okay, I have to go do something else. You know, I can't be idle or whatever it is. Hey, I come home at seven. I'm going to boom. I'm going to do this. Or, hey, I'm going to read 10 pages every night of a new book. All of a sudden, everything's moving along. It's like investments. It's like money at anything. You just slowly chip away. And then all of a sudden, I love the part in that book where it says, yes, you reward yourself after a great thing. In a bad way, cigarettes makes you feel good, right? Hey, reward yourself with travel after completing five classes. You know, that's what I do. I love travel. So if I finish my electives in July, I'm going on a huge trip. I don't know when it's going to be, when all this COVID stuff is over, whatever, but I am buying the tickets, right? But at first I have to finish those classes. I have that kind of carrot out there for me. So that's one thing. And then the other thing with habits is you want to move them into the automatic. And they don't, you know, everyone has a different theory, oh, 35 days, oh, 60 days of doing a habit. Just do it until it becomes a natural thing, right? I don't care how many days, don't start counting down the days because then you're like, oh, it still sticks. 21 days, one more day and then it'll <laughs> yeah. be natural. One more day me. and it's automatic. No, it's like, hey, if you get up every day and put a podcast on in your car, instead of listening to the radio, sooner or later, Take, take anything else off your phone that distracts you. Just leave the podcast on, right? Yep. And every day, now you're learning something new. 
you know, and it's just automatic. And now your brain wants it, you know, trick your brain, trick your body into thinking that it wants it and then you'll get there. So I think to go back to what you said about studies, like how do you do that? It's, honestly, I tell people all the time, like, whatever it takes within you, because what motivates me is not probably going to motivate you. But for me, like I want that MBA next to my name, you know, I want whatever next to my name for, for other reasons and for other passions that we can dive into. But I keep remembering that every time I don't want to wake up for a class. I'm taking classes in Dubai right now that are out of Dubai. So they start at one in the morning. So I get off work at 6 p.m. I have to immediately go to sleep so I can like have my eyes open at 1 a.m. But I love it. You know, I'm like, oh my God, I'm so lucky to be able to take these classes. I love business. And that was the other part that I wanted to dive into is make sure <laughs> it is something that you are passionate about because it is going to be, it's going to be tough either way. But if you don't have that passion or that why behind it, it's just like losing weight or anything. If you don't focus on your why beforehand and you don't have that to fall back on, it's going to be tough to stick with. Um, because my first master's, I hated it. <laughs> it was awful. I didn't want to do it. My boss told me to do it to get promoted. It worked. Yeah, it was a check mark. Now I have that diploma. And I'm like, okay, great. But I was like, now that I got into the MBA, I was like, wow, every class I'm actually excited about. It's difficult, way more difficult, but I actually enjoy it, you know, because it's part of what I want, what part of my passion. So anyway, pursue your passion. <laughs> Everything will be easier. No, that's actually very true. Like I, I said this multiple times, even on the podcast, you guys are in interviews, like I was pharmacy major and I hated every day. So I dropped out and for years I didn't go to college because I wanted to explore what I want. Now that I know, like within the last four years, nothing can stop me because it's like, once you know exactly what you want, and I'm not saying it's easy because there's so many options out there and you have to learn how to filtrate to actually what you really want and not your what your best friend, your boyfriend, your girlfriend, your mom or dad tells you what you'd be good at, like actually explore really. And even do like tester seasons, like I would call them like work temporary in a job and see, I do this a lot too. Um, like work one year in a job, take the good of it and be like, okay, I want another job now, which people are like, well, you need to like settle down. I'm like, no, because you take what you learn from something, apply to something else, apply to something yes. else. And it's you like leave the bad take the good and then go for it like just do it and yeah. i make fun of this sometimes but you when you have so many options if you were 10 20 years ago or if you were some places and majority of the listeners are in america but there are some places you don't even have the option so definitely leverage the opportunities that you have and i mean it's literally podcasting is free education like, absolutely School of Greatness is one of my favorite top podcasts out there. And that's what motivated me via that and David Goggins book to start a podcast myself, because why not? Yes. Why not just do it? And congratulations. Like it's something that a lot of people talk about, like, oh, I want to create a podcast, but you're doing it. And it's great what you're doing. You're helping people and people are listening and chiming in. And it's awesome. The guests that you've had on, I feel honored, humbled to be on as well. But it, I mean, it's a testament to, like you said, you bounce around, you, you just get out there. Like my brother just, he hit me up. He was like, oh, so, you know, now this is your second house and you rented out your first house. If I had told my 23 year old self, you'd have two master's degrees and you'd have two houses by the time you're 33, 
it would have been crazy, right? But I just dove in. My first house is like an 800 square foot house. It's built in 1951. It's got a lot of character, as they would say. Yeah. Right? But I just dove in. But now I'm figuring out what I like in a house. I like deep sinks, you know? Like I like my laundry room separate and away from my bed. And I told him, I was like, Dan, you're not gonna find the perfect opportunity for your first house. Just pull the trigger. You know, when it's enough, when you get like maybe 65, 70% of what you want, pull the trigger. I guarantee you it's not gonna be your final house. You know? Oh yeah, like my first house was not my taste right now at all. It was a lot of square, it was like almost 4,000 square foot it was great. But when I look at it, I'm like, mm, it looks okay. It's like, your taste also gets better with the time, the more you learn exactly. also. But like you said, like you jumping into the podcast and not not really knowing exactly what you were doing or what you wanted, but you jumped in and then started to learn. Like people spend so much time thinking, oh, I'm going to find the perfect time. Your life will only get busier. There will only be more stress. There will be only more things. Now is the time. And believe me, it's insane. You know, people, you look at anything, you know, I was, we study so many different types of successful people in our MBA, but let's say, you know, the makeup artist who makes millions on YouTube. Don't be jealous. Look at the, the, the uniqueness of it, right? What makes them different? How can you apply that in your business? Right. She pursued her passion. Like she was really good at putting on makeup, right? But she went full throttle. She didn't go 15% or 10% or wait to the right time. She was like, She's in her video, she was like, I had no idea what I was doing. I just started filming myself and putting it on YouTube for free. And now all of a sudden she's part of a, a multi-million dollar company, it's her company. You know, it's like little things like that, you can't go halfway. You can't, you know, even go, you have to go 100%, figure it out. If it's not for you, at least you try your passion and you won't be 80 years old thinking, man, if I only what have, if? which it's never too late, but. At least you tried, you know, at least you went after it. And it's like, well, and believe me, during the hard times, if you're actually in your path of passion, it's so much easier. Because you're like, this is what I want to do. I don't care if everyone's telling me that it's dumb or like I won't make money. It's what I'm passionate about. And believe me, if you put 100%, like the money and everything will come because you're going you're gonna to start to be unique and people are attracted to that. So It does. And... I actually haven't shared this on the podcast. So, well, it's okay. COVID, the highest peak, I feel like, well, not really necessarily passed, but I was one of the people that lost my project manager position because of COVID-19 once everything hit. So because of the podcast and because I've been trying to do what I really wanted to do, I have the office because I'm getting clients left and right now doing what I actually love doing. So that's when, and I posted this and sometimes I feel like, you get misunderstood as well. Like I posted this on my social media and then I got a lot of people being like, well, not everybody can be you or not, you know, like, why are you bragging about what you're doing? Well, all I'm saying is guys, if you really want it, like find the time, make a schedule. Do Like I'm actually, it's like a 12 minute long video. I had to take it down because so many people would just felt like I was bashing on them for being lazy or for not giving their highest. So I was like, you know what? Everybody's struggling. I'll just put the video down. But it's like, that's why I make this podcast, because if I know one, two, three, you learn one, two, three from me, you learn four, five from somebody else, and you learn six, seven from somebody else, and then you have the whole thing down. Like I say, learn at least one new thing per episode. And I'm glad we're diving deep into this, because 
so many options are out there and people are just not taking responsibility i feel like sometimes and yes if you're listening i am slapping you in the face take responsibility for your actions because it's important stop blaming mom dad or your past because we all had a past guess what move on and just start visioning your future especially during this time like if you wanted to take a class then if you didn't take it during this time that you're legit home you're just straight up lazy i apologize that i just insulted you listener but that's what it is like I'm a little harsh when I say the truth too. Sorry, Jake. I, I come no, a little bit strong sometimes. Not. It is it is a harsh reality. And I mean, first of all, congrats to you for you know being flexible, adapting to the situation. But you do have to have that silver lining. I think there's a lot of people that I'm a little confused about. Like, did you think that this life would just be handed to you? Like the people that are crushing it, they earn your yes, you're seeing the finish line when they finish the marathon. You're seeing the Kevin Hart now. You're seeing the Rock now. You're seeing, you know, Joe Rogan now sign a hundred million dollar deal for right. That was amazing. But look back, just just dive a little deep at their career. Look at where he started with Dana White, like years ago. They started from literally scratch trying to build it, and now you're like Joe Rogan failed as an actor, failed at so many things, but like he didn't give up. Life wasn't handed to him. Then he jumped on UFC. UFC basically went out of business. Yeah. And then and then Dana White stayed on. It was bought out. Like it was nothing. It was and UFC crazy was thing. successful because it was a multi-billion-dollar contract when he was sold. Yeah, like people love seeing that end line, but don't like getting there. Like right. it's that hard work. Like yeah, sleep three hours a day. You know, drink some coffee. You'll be fine. <laughs> You're and young. I do think <laughs> just to address like that the negativity when people pat themselves on, and it's not really patting themselves on the back, but sharing like, hey, I worked really hard, or hey, you know, like something terrible happened, or COVID happened, and I bounced back, and like, look at me now, like, I'm doing well. This anti-self-love is just awful, and you have to cut people out that- I had to take the video down, yeah. I was like, you know what? You guys don't understand me. I'm just gonna post this on LinkedIn because I feel more understood there and yes. forget the rest of y'all. It's just crazy to me because, it, you know, I, I continue to have to do this, but I did a massive, I call it, you know, addition by subtraction. You have to cut out the toxicity, the toxic people in your life, you have to cut them out immediately. And now I'm getting better and better. I'm like, I recognize it and I'm like, oh, I don't have time for this. <laughs> I'm, so I'm not really focused. good at that because I, as harsh as I can come out sometimes, like I just don't like hurting people's feelings, like towards like relationship buildings. How do you do that in the smart way? Or how do you like the inner process? How do you do that and not think it? And you're like, did I do the wrong thing? Did I do the right thing? How do you do that? Yeah. And what I'm doing right now is a bit corny, but I tell them like what my passions are and I don't have, literally the bandwidth for, for them in my life. And I, I tell them that, and it's kind of weird. Either I don't get a response or I you know, get an okay. You know, like, so I literally text them or whatever it is and say, hey, right now my main goals are to crush it at Amazon. I want to get promoted by Christmas. I want to finish my MBA by November. I have so little bandwidth left. I just don't have the bandwidth for our relationship right now. I'm really sorry. And you know, whatever well, they- Well, if I was really important to you and our friendship was important, you would find time for me. How do you respond to that? Oh, so great question. Cause I'm like, 
because I recently had to cut someone out that like used to be important to me. And I'm like, when this is, you know, when I accomplish my goals, I would love to revisit this if I have the bandwidth. You know, you leave the door open. You don't have to completely crush it and burn the bridge. Like, hey, tell them, like, hey, I appreciated our time. I appreciated this and that. You know, um, I don't want to curse in your podcast. But oh, you can. A- it's explicit. You're fine. <laughs> we call it a shit sandwich in the military. So when you're giving someone feedback, on the top is good, in the middle is poop, and on the bottom is good as well, right? So you say at first, hey, I really appreciate our relationship. Now's the poop. Honestly, I feel like a lot of times you're taking away from my goals by wanting me to go party, by wanting me to do this, your negative attitude brings this. You don't have to go that much in depth of it, but just kind of overlining. And then at the bottom, another positive, like, hey, just know that forever I'll look back kindly at our time together and our relationship together. Just leave it on a positive note. And if you want to drag it on, I mean, at that point, you kind of have to cut ties and say, hey, I've said my piece. I need to move on with my goals. Because guess what? All that time that you're spending not on your goals or with toxic people, that is taking away time from moving forward with your goals. So it's almost double, you know? It's like paying someone $6,000 for a job they didn't do well, really, to me, you almost lost like twelve thousand dollars because now you lost six thousand. You could have used six thousand for another goal that would have like upped your goals. You know, like you just lost me twelve thousand dollars. So it's like a double negative to go that way, and almost a double positive to go the other way. So, I mean, it's brutal, and it's not going to feel nice. I mean, I don't, I don't know. Many, I don't surround myself with many people that like being mean. I do think it's a little tougher with females. They are a lot more nurturing. I, I do feel for people, but at the end of the day, like you cannot let them take all of your time. And yeah. I tell people all the time, like it actually feels relieving now. And now I have space for more positive people. I've reconnected with so many people that I'm like, why wasn't I talking to this person before? Oh wait, I had all these toxic people filling up that bandwidth. We have very limited bandwidth. I think people think like, oh. Some people just have more. No, we all have kind of like the same and we burn it out with all this negative energy. And then we have so little left and we're like, oh, I have no time for my family and my job and whatever. You got to cut out the bad stuff. You got to cut that out first. That's, um, it's kind of funny that we're talking about this because I have two very, very good close friends that we can talk about hair and nails and then we'll get into politics and we'll get into system education, like get into deep conversations. Those two people, I'm like, as long as I live, I get old and gray and you guys are my best friends because I can talk about everything. But then you have those people that you just say, hey, how are you? It's like, oh my God, you won't believe what happened to me. And it's just negativity. And social media has been a good platform towards kind of deleting somebody and getting the hint. I've been doing that. I'm guilty of that. But at the same time, it is not easy. Um, Often it's not easy to cut toxic relationships. Or like I did last time, I just moved a whole different city and we started fresh. That's another way to go. That's okay. (laughs) That's another way to go. But like, if somebody told me I'll be here five years ago, I'd be like, yeah, what are you on? It's not possible. But that is so true that once you change that environment, it's just a whole different angle and a whole different you that just sparks up. And it's kind of like planting new seeds. And then like, you know, like with those new healthy, positive relationships, and then you see the blo- them blossoming over time. Exactly. And you get to spend that quality time with them and build them. 
Um, Jake, let me ask you this. What is the biggest lesson that you might, might have gotten from a mistake that you are uh, on your life and how do you leverage, you know, that lesson nowadays? Yeah, absolutely. Um, to say that there's just one major mistake would be a major understatement. Um, I think there's been so many mistakes that I've made. There's been so many failures. And I think on paper, you would think, oh, Jake has you know, gone from one successful thing after another. And it's like, no, <laughs> um, not, not that way at all. It's just I rebounded very quickly. That's the one thing that I did not let that define me. I looked at that mistake and I said, okay, I'm human. This doesn't define me, whatever it is. And you might tell yourself in your head, oh, people are saying this bad thing about me. Or the, first of all, they're probably not. Second of all, who cares? You know, it's your life. Take control of it, you know, right? Like, who cares if they think whatever of you, that you're lazy, that you're a mess up, who cares? Like, does it improve my life? Does it improve my money or my relationships? No, okay, who cares? Like, people forget so quickly. They have the shortest memory when it comes to, you know, like people are now so behind Mike Tyson, you know, people are so behind Michael Jackson. I don't want to, I want to trash them or whatever, but you can go back into their careers and like Mike Tyson bit off someone's ear, you know, remember that? Like now he's on top of the world. Everyone loves Mike Tyson. He's in hangover. He's like doing his thing with a new marijuana company. He's now going to fight again. Everyone's like, Mike Tyson's the best. He was actually in Jacksonville just recently. Oh, really? For the UFC? Or what? Uh, a friend of mine actually posted he caught Mike Tyson on a run in Jacksonville. So, yeah. That's awesome. Good for him. But, like, I, I, I love that, you know? Like, I absolutely love that because it shows. It's like we have a very short-term memory for both. You're really only as good as your last fight. So, just keep going. Like, who cares if you got disgraced or whatever? Like, just bounce back. Find something new, you know? And I, I uh, after the Air Force Academy, I went to pilot training, and I failed. I failed out miserably. The one thing you have to do is be able to land the plane. Did that perfectly. I flew around perfectly. Could not land for anything. I mean, it could not uh, take off for anything. I could land easily. And everyone was like, what's going on? And I would just stick in the rudder and... It was like the biggest failure of my life. But then I was like, wait a minute. Flying planes doesn't define my life. Is it cool? Yes. Are all my friends doing it? Yes. Great. Is it embarrassing that I fell out? Of course. Of course it's awful. But what am I going to do? Sit here for another 50 years and be like, woe is me. I failed out of pilot training. No. Like now, I mean, that was 12 years ago. I've, I've deployed three times. I got two master's degrees, two houses, and now I have this awesome Amazon job. But you failed it, at that, man. But I failed terribly at that, you know? Thank God I did, because I'm so happy right now. And, and I think all those cliches, all those quotes are quotes and cliches for a reason. You know, a lot of times doors slam in your face because there's 15 other doors waiting that are 10 times better, <laughs> that are really going to make you happy. And I think, hey, the best thing to happen to me was failing out of pilot training because I found the intelligence officer. Like they switched me over to be an intelligence officer. And I was like, this is amazing. Every day of class was amazing. Graduated top two in my class, got the assignment I wanted in Florida, working with Navy SEALs, 
straight out of a movie. And I was just like, oh my God, if I hadn't failed out of that class, like I would have never got the job of my dreams. And it's, it's just interesting to look back at all those people that maybe went through pilot training that are, you know, were a little miserable. A lot of them are happy, but some of them aren't. You know, maybe I would have been one of those people. So I think it's important just to keep moving forward and just be like, you know what? It happens for a reason. Make it for a reason, you know? <laughs> but I, I feel like also um, once something happens, I have like, it took me a while to even switch my mindset with this, but I think it's also not, oh no, what happened to me? But it's like, okay, this happened. What did I learn? What's next? Like once you change that mindset, I feel like that's also very important because you kick back up much quicker. Cause like it, it is, it is, um, what's the word I'm trying to find here? Tenesco? Yes. Yes, everybody goes through that. But I feel like if you bounce back, the sooner you bounce back, and that's that's a skill that you can learn because we don't, you know, 12-year-old me wouldn't be able to do that. 12-year-old you wouldn't be able to do that. But, like, the more you learn and actually put that knowledge and bounce back much quicker, I think, like, that's very important, too. And you learn through experience. Exactly. And then I think people think that success is like this. Absolutely not. Oh, no. Success is like this. <laughs> it's crazy and if people think like like I know that in this volatile environment like I don't know Amazon I know it doesn't seem like it but it could go you know into the dumps and even Jeff Bezos himself said there is going to be a point where Amazon doesn't even exist right and it's like important to actually look at that you know like look at Barnes and Nobles and Toys R Us you know like they probably never thought in the 90s that they would go out of business, you know? And you have to be able to be like, okay, how do I adapt? How do, like, if this were to go, I'd be okay, what would I do? Like, just kind of think about it. Like, what would I do? I'd be okay, I'd do this. It would struggle for a little bit, but I'd bounce back, you know? I think people put all their eggs in one basket and are just like, oh my God, I spent 20 years in this career and they fired me. Sorry, I'm going to be brutal. Of course they did. Of course they did. You got really comfortable. They're paying you probably close to 200, 300 grand where they can hire a new, sprightly new college grad, pay him one third, 10% of what they're paying you. And he's going to probably do just as good a job within a year because he's motivated or he or she's motivated. And you know what? They just got rid of that cash like what would you do if you owned the business like at the end of the day it's a, a lot of yeah a lot of people get mad at it but i'm like if i was the business owner if you look at it i apologize but my accounting doesn't you know add correctly so i'm gonna re account everything and rebudget everything yeah and it and i don't want you know like i don't know what your demographic of listeners i i'm not like being harsh towards the elderly or whatever, but at the same time, I am saying to the 20, 30 year olds, even the early 40s, like now is the time to think about what I wanna be when I'm 55. Literally visualize what I want. Is it a house on the beach? Is it not working? Is it working four hours a day? Is it working full time? Because if you're not setting goals right now and doing it backwards, I think we talked a little bit about that. You know, I wanna be done, completely done working at 55 but I'm working myself backwards like that means in three years I need another house yeah 
and uh, and you know four years after that maybe I need another house. I need five houses to pay me two grand a month. That way, you know, I have ten thousand dollars coming in just from that investment. Never mind, I want to you know own a gym. I want to do all this other stuff. But I'm counting backwards from fifty-five not working. How am I going to get there and start today? You know, like go all the way back to today. Like, what do I need to do right now to get fifty-five not working from five? Because to, it's just silly to sit here and think, oh yeah, Amazon's going to keep me until I'm fifty-five and pay me all this money. Mm. Wow. <laughs> or is there going to be a really smart Harvard grad that's probably going to take my job? Nothing, gonna... nothing is guaranteed. Exactly. Let's not even get into the budgeting and into like financial budgeting, personal budgeting and all that, but nothing is guaranteed. And that's why like, you guys can do what I did for the longest time. Like, you know, work one job for a year, take that knowledge, go to another one, go to another one, go to another one. And now you have like a CV, like you finished four colleges because <laughs> you're different <laughs> fields. But it's very important also if you want to stay competitive and actually this, so this, there's this a discussion that me and my friend had, what is going to happen to the real estate world once everybody can work from home and you have the technology upping, now you have millions of buildings that don't have you know you cannot pay rent you're not going to pay rent because you're going to have people working from home so what is what's going to happen to that now you just got to replace also by technology your labor just got replaced by technology because it's not safe to work in the environment so how are you making yourself competitive to the working environment like exactly. things like that that people don't think of like the what if scenarios and i remember reading it was like only 10 percent of america is pretty much aware of what's going on <laughs> the rest of them have no idea which is yeah. sad I, I read this book the inevitable um I, I think he's the same guy that um oh gosh i think he called like um basically a lot of things that have happened with our society but basically he was saying that everything just like you said will become inevitable. the inevitable He's the same guy that called a lot of things that have happened like, with the internet and stuff. Kevin Kelly? Yes. So in his book, I mean, it's not earth shattering, but at the same time, you see it happening. You're like, oh, yeah, like he has this thing in there. It's really interesting that there's already things that track almost everything, right? Everything with your body, everything. And, you know, it's inevitable that we will all have because people are like up and uproar like oh my god they're like thinking about planting chips in us and like like in amazon they read our temperature every day when we go and that's a that's a liberty we've just automatically given up because of time and i don't want to get into the politics of it yeah but i do think it's inevitable that things and electronics will be reading us all the time and spitting out information and that's just a way we're going in the world but it's just an example to show exactly what you're speaking of people fear it instead of embracing it like, what? <laughs> why are you fearing this whole thing when you could just embrace it? You know, I think, I don't know if it was him, but it was someone else that like, you know, started one of the initial blogs or whatever. And people were just like, this is going nowhere. You know, the internet's going nowhere. No one's gonna like want to stay on a computer. Everyone wants to meet face to face. Like, well, <laughs> what's happening now? You know, like it's important to think about what could happen have not just one other plan i would say six what do they say like every every millionaire has seven different sources of income yeah i'm like how do i get there <laughs> <laughs>
I think, yeah, it's funny because uh, I know somebody that was like, oh, like, people can see your social medias with like everything with social media when it happened. Um, they're like, oh, I don't want to know people where I'm doing with the chip, with, you know, the vaccine. And I'm like, well, tactically, you realize that your iPhone literally tracks you like at any time I can log into your iPhone and know where you were at and everything's like, no, you can't. And I said, yeah, you can't. So when I showed her, she freaked out even more. I'm like, you realize you're giving all this information out just because of the time and the day that we live in too. Like, also habit list, habit learning. How do you think Target actually maxed out their profit? Yeah. Habits. They learn their habits. Yep. It's everything. I mean, that's why we have suggested items on Amazon. That's why, I mean, a lot of it is helping us out. You know, it's like, it works on me. All these advertisements. Algorithm is another thing on Amazon. One of my clients actually have a book, has two books on Amazon that I'm learning the algorithm of Amazon myself, how to bring up the numbers on the rankings. So trying to understand a little bit better to our suggested book for this genre, for this. And I'm like, it's a world on its own. Like I'm learning so much more just that department, not even the whole Amazon. So it's a lot. <laughs> Keywords on Google. It's a whole different world that people are just like, oh, how is this so easy? Amazon's uh, or Google's reading my mind. It's like no, it's there's not. technology behind it. There's data, big data behind it. They're constantly analyzing it to bring you the best stuff that you definitely want to buy. And that's how they're making so much money. <laughs> All you did was send a message and there it goes. You know, you were sent a message to your friend regarding this. Here you go now. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I know you were, you were making fun of me for getting excited about the washer and dryer, but you know, now I'm getting all advertisements for all these home goods that I, that I need, you know, that I'm like, Hmm, maybe I want that. You know, maybe I want this couch. Maybe I want all this furniture stuff is showing up on my feed. I'm like, wow, this is crazy. I bought one item and here we go. <laughs> yeah. And it's amazing because if you think of people, um, do you know the apple oranges and coconut concept? No. What's that? So if people are early adopters, mid adopters, and late adopters on sales, right? And the algorithm towards marketing, it's perfect because apples, which are early adopters, are like just, you know, what well, you wash them, you bite them, it's juicy, you take it. Very easy for them to make the sale, you know? They said one thing, now like your washer and dryer, you're gonna, you know, bring something else, they're just gonna buy it just because it's new, it's awesome. Oranges are the 80%, which are the mid adopters. So they might want to read one review there or 15 reviews. It's a big, you know, graph, okay. but that's where they try to work the best so they can get the mid adopters as much as they can. That's why the algorithm uh -huh. is in there as much as possible to the more you see it, the more it's going to be memorized in your head. Yep. And those are oranges. Just rip them off, you know, bite it. <laughs> Great. Just peel them off a little bit. Yeah. Coconuts don't even bother. It takes you forever to crack them, and they're <laughs> the <laughs> so, smartest people. So, from oh, marketing okay. and sales perspective, I okay. try to shoot between the an orange. apple and an orange. It depends on how many beers I'm, I'm in. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'm definitely an orange, but more towards like the late adapter, but also depending on the item too. But yeah, like that's Indeed. that's pretty much the algorithm behind it. And it's funny because if you work sales or marketing like me, like. Once I see somebody, I'm like, are you an orange or are you a coconut? Do I want to spend time with you? Like, it's kind of like now I think I'm like, you're an apple. Mm, I don't know if I want you. Like, you'll be it's easy. not going to work out. Yeah. 
like so now i look at people it's funny but i look at people on fruit shapes <laughs> because i'm like are you an apple orange or coconut <laughs> it's so funny because when i was going to dive into the, the tech world you know they kind of told us the same thing um they had us read this book and um basically what the guy says is they, like people give up after three tries and the average is like 22 22 times you have to engage with someone to get a response yeah it's insane you know you would think like oh after uh if i was a sales guy you know, which I'm, I'm happily not in <laughs> but i was like not okay. that many years <laughs> I'm like if i'm a salesperson or i'm in some sort of sales i have to interact with some people 20 plus times and they might be your biggest client but like that 22nd time you know they're like hey i'm not the guy you want and that's when you come back like okay who should i be talking you know, can you lean me in that direction or whatever? It was just kind of interesting, the, uh, you know, the tenacity behind it that you have to have to really interact with some people. It's, just, it's a crazy world. But. So the best advice I can tell to people that want to get actually good at negotiating or sales overall is learn how to drop the clothes multiple ways after every no you get. So for example, if I'm trying to, like I used to work door-to-door -door sales for about a year and a half, right? Sell AT&T, just why not? So if somebody would tell me no, I would not be annoying. Like once I get that spark conversation, like I can read the room too, but once I get that spark conversation, you drop the clothes, well, I'll save you this many, you know, this much money a month. How about your first and last name? Well, no, I need to talk to my husband. Not a problem at all. I don't think he'd be upset if, you know, if you save money. So did you want to put in your name or his? Should we call him? Drop the clothes. After every note, drop the clothes. And people would be like, how do you drop the clothes so many times? And you still close it. I'm like, because you just restructure the closing after multiple times. And if you practice this in the sales world and you use it even on a management and leadership, you know, to motivate people or just to tell somebody, it's like, hey, you're doing your job wrong, you know? How about we try this? Well, no, this. Well, how about we try this? No, this. Like sales is a, negotiating. It's a whole different. Let's not yeah, get into but that. It's, but like all the things you just said are so important for life as well because you have to dive deep and figure out what the customer wants and what's going to make them close. You know, and I think you can adapt that to networking or anything. You know, what we were discussing networking, and I think a lot of people go into it thinking like, oh, I'm just going to drop a line to someone and they're going to pick up the phone and want to call me. Very rarely, maybe 1% of the people. But if you dive into their career and you're like, hey, I would love to know more about your time in sales, you know, and I would love to know about how you, you know, balance your bachelor's degree with this. What did you bring from your bachelor's degree that made you successful in your current job? I'm really interested in maybe applying. Yeah. Now, all of a sudden, it's like, ooh, you want me to talk about myself? Who doesn't want to talk about themselves? You know, like, you have to, when you network, it's literally like, I, I kind of make the analogy, like, if I were to invite people over to my house, and I invited John, and John brings, you know, Sarah. I don't really know Sarah, but because John knows Sarah, and John's like, hey, Sarah's awesome. I love John. Okay, Sarah's cool. If Sarah just hit me up and knocked on my door, I'm like, who are you? right? It's the same thing. Yep. It's the exact same thing. It's not like this crazy concept of networking. It's like, okay, let me reach out to my inner circle. Who do they know? Who can they introduce me to? It's not just like 
cold calling a thousand people, oh, no one wants to help me, woe is me. No, your it's, network is 10 times bigger than you think it is. You just need to start with the people you know and who help them and their journey, and then eventually get to a point where you're reaching out to people, of people that you want to be like, and then making them your mentor. Even if you, well, even if you're cold calling or cold messaging, like I did a lot on LinkedIn when the podcast came out, I'll share this with you guys. Uh, first off, you say, hey, I read your book and I think it's awesome. I would love to have a meeting with you. Hey, I have an international podcast downloads from this many countries. Do you have a moment, a time and a day to sit down and talk about opportunities to work together? Exactly. So you also do an icebreaker. Typically, it's either compliment or tell them what it is and then for them to talk with you. Like the latest one was with Travis Mills. Are you familiar with Travis Mills? Sorry. No, I saw you were really excited about it. Yes, Travis Mills. Amazing. He's the one in five people that survived quadruple amputation while uh, wow. the EID exploded in them. Reached out to him on LinkedIn. He has an interview. All I said, hey. I love your interviews. I love your book. I would love to have you in this. You'd be able, once you tell them what's in for them and compliment them, they would be willing to do that too. Yeah. No, that, that little carrot to bring them in is so huge. It just literally breaks the ice, like you said, and it's like makes them want to talk to you. I mean, put themselves, put yourselves in their shoes, you know, like, oh yeah, they don't really need you. <laughs> you know, like, like you need them. So, Jake, I know we covered a lot of great information so far. I know people would love to actually connect with you. Where can people connect with you? Through LinkedIn or what's the best platform? Yeah, I think LinkedIn is the best platform. I know we just talked about, um, you can find me, Jake Devlin on LinkedIn. Send me a message. Say you listen to the podcast. Like we just talked about, you know, try your skills at that icebreaker. Maybe look at my career and what you would want to jump into. I am happy to give my advice, especially to veterans, but to really anybody. Um, that's my one thing. So many people help me out to get to where I am right now. And the only way to, for me to thank somebody is honestly to pay it forward. There's too many people to thank. So I am happy to help, but please just kind of be specific in what you're looking for and what advice you want. Um, and then I can better help you. Awesome. And then if you're in Jacksonville area, um, what are we doing? I'm going to drop a little cool news for you guys you should definitely stay tuned jake you are invited as well at the end of the year we're having the big romina con so definitely connect with jake there definitely connect with all the information you guys and then i'll attach jake's uh information right away so if you're being too lazy you can just click on it it's right there why not and jake where do we see you in five years what's a new project because i know you just started with amazon but what's the plan for five years because i'm sure you're not just like yeah yeah amazon and we're good <laughs> yeah so i talked a little bit about it so in, in three years basically in the program i'm in kind of why i chose it and about amazon's awesome about innovation and all that stuff but also they're great about programs of accelerating people and kind of pushing them through the ranks so in three years i'll be moving again um, I know that. I know that's part of the program with my promotion. Obviously, I have to earn it, <laughs> so I plan on earning it. But um, I, you know, to be honest, I, I plan on making Amazon a career for as long as it holds out. But like, there's always that. Like I said, you know, what can I do now? Be an expert at my job now to set me up for the next job. So, if it's uh, creating side projects within Amazon for innovation specifically. Uh, my last job in the Air Force was kind of culminating my entire career with drones, with satellites, with cell phones. 
and bringing in this kind of major project of giving customers exactly what they wanted with all the knowledge that I have, way above and beyond what they wanted and kind of like blowing it out of the water. So I think I can kind of do the same, learn everything I possibly can from Amazon, make Amazon better. And if our paths kind of separate, hey, maybe reach out to a Google or a bigger company and then uh, kind of set myself up for success to really be a consultant for companies and, and a leadership platform. So that's kind of what I'm aiming for. I want to be a consultant by the time I'm you know, like 50 with leadership, with major organizations. Um, I'm a huge motivator. I think at work, I bring a lot of energy. Um, people are always asking me like what I do. I think uh, one important thing is people forget that there's people behind all this work, getting to know your people, that those are the best leaders that I know. You know, they spend a lot of time getting to know their people. We have a saying in the Air Force, it's a, it says, you know, mission first, people always. I would kind of tweak it. I would always say, get to know your people and your people will accomplish the mission, you know? And once you take care of your people, they will do anything for you to accomplish the mission. So that's something I'm doing at Amazon now. I think a lot of new leaders kind of lack that. Like, oh, I just need to get the job done in the next promotion. It's like, no, take care of your people, take care of everything. Cause you know, on your deathbed, you're gonna look back and be like, what did I do? Did I help people or did I just promote myself? You know, and I think I sleep pretty well at night because I know every day I come to work. Yes, I'm proficient at my job, but I do that so I can take some time to help someone else. So, yeah, that's that's the near term for me. That's exciting. Well, I can't wait to see your your progress from here because, I mean, just you work a lot. You, you know, you're doing so many things. I'm sure you cannot just sit in one place and just, you know, maintain one position for a while. So. We should definitely connect with Jake, you guys. We're going to hold him accountable. It is on a recorded line for five years, so we're going to go back to here. If it's done better than this, then we can just give him a full props app, but you have accountability. <laughs> nice. <laughs> and, and then the very last question, which is my favorite question of every episode, what is your personal definition of success? When would you say your life is successful or you are a successful individual? I love that question because... I, I just kind of thought to myself, uh, it's a lot of what we kind of sprinkled on the podcast, which I like, but I think you really have to look at yourself and say, okay, first of all, if I was paid $10 million or I was paid $0, would I be doing the same thing? Joe Rogan had a powerful statement on one of his latest podcasts. He said, you know, this is what I would be doing if they were paying me nothing. If I was making no money, I would talk to physicists. I would bring on, you know, comedians because I love them. I would hunt elk. I would talk about cooking the meat. I would, you know, bring on people that make me smarter and I would do it for free or I would do it for $100 million. And that to me, I'm not there yet, but I do know that I'm making moves in that direction. To me, I always have to help people. I have found that, you know, <laughs> there's a huge stigma against psychologists or whatever going to get help. I did. I had a lot of stuff happen in my life. I lost someone early in my deployments um, that was very close to me. I winded up burying him in Arlington Cemetery. And I winded up moving his wife and doing all his financials. But one thing that resonated with me was, hey, pursue your passions and help people as, as much as you can. That's what makes me happy. So if I'm not in something that's not helping people, then that's not successful to me. So right now, I'm building up my resume. I'm building up my in positions that are actually helping people. Yes, they're leadership positions in big corporations, but 
like I said, the faster I can get proficient, the more I can help people. And that's my definition of success. And like, a, like, you know, Joe Rogan said, you know, they could pay me $10 million or $0. I would still want to wake up in the morning to help someone else. Um, whether, you know, my, my actual definition of success is on a beach in Costa Rica, my small cafe, just kind of being a mentor to some people that are struggling, especially veterans, that would be the dream, right? I will get there. Um, but for right now, this is awesome. I'm in a leadership role over, you know, 200, 300 people that I can help out all the time. Um, so right now I'm working towards that ultimate goal of success. But yeah, I would say really visualize your perfect day. If you've never done that exercise of kind of sitting there and saying, okay, if they gave me a billion dollars a day, what would be my perfect day? I had no worries in the world about money or whatever. When would I wake up? What would I be doing? What would I eat? When would I work out? Like, what is your perfect day? That's your success story, right? Like, that's it. Like, do everything, work backwards, whatever that timeline is, do everything you need to do to get to that success story. So that's, uh, that's my answer for you. <laughs> thank you. No, thank you for sharing that. And you touched on a very important point where if you talk about visualization, like I have two vision boards right here. You can see okay. like once you see them, once you close your eyes and you're like, what would be the perfect day? Once you have that picture, I'll tell you this, that you guys, once you have like ever, like you do it once a month, you're just going to add one more item to that final picture. Cause you know what it's going to be like, but you just add one more item and one more item. So it's very, very super important to have your, personal definition of success and not necessarily somebody else's too, but it's like your perfect place and your perfect, you know, moment. Yeah. Well, Jake, I definitely want to thank you so, so much for taking your time and being a part of RM Podcast FL. We definitely want to thank you for your service as well. We love veterans in here. Uh, I mean, for goodness sake, my wall is American flag colors. I <laughs> love America. <laughs> But thank you so much for taking your time and being a part here. And you guys go ahead and look on the descriptions on the bio to connect with Jake. Tell him that you listened to the episode with Romina. You can maybe grab a virtual coffee with him or in Jacksonville if you're in Jack's area. But absolutely connect with Jake. All right. Thank awesome. you so much. Thanks so much. And you guys make sure to tune in every Tuesday for awesome episode just like this one. Have a good one.